Even if you aren't a horror hound, chances are you've heard the name Scott Derrickson, a filmmaker who rose to popularity in 2017 when he directed the MCU's Doctor Strange. But over a decade before that movie came out, he was putting his footprint on the horror cinematic universe with the exorcism of Emily Rose and has continued to go from strength to strength since then in the horror genre. Join Pete and myself today as we break down the horror films of Scott Derrickson in the lead up to his latest thrill ride, The Black Phone, starring Ethan Hawke in cinemas July 21, thanks to Universal Pictures. Get ready to get spooky scared on this episode of the Monthly Movie Marathon. Boo. Did I scare you? No. No, I was just testing the microphones. Obviously not trying to scare you at all. Welcome to the Monthly Movie Marathon. <laughs> I am your host, Nick Labarro. Alongside me, as always, co-host, Rotten Tomatoes, certified critic, Rotten Certified Tomato Man, Peter Gray. I was not aware that that was going to be like the introduction. I fully thought we were still testing mics, so that's amazing. <laughs> I thought I, I was thinking about it on the car ride over and I was like, let's, let's try something different. Let's have a little intro. So I was like... Since it's a spooky, scary movie one. It's a score, a movie. Let's try and scare Pete, who was... <laughs> like, no, not like, like, he said boo, and I literally was like, huh? all right. <laughs> What's going on here? So, uh, complete failure, but hey, the only way is up. You have here. to fail to know when you succeed. That is true. That's, That's very good. Yeah. That's actually, we yeah. should write that on like a, yeah, a, a fortune sticker. cookie or a bumper sticker. Yeah. Or, yeah. Whatever, Whatever people look, look to for advice <laughs> yeah. these days. Probably Instagram. How are you? You good? Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> um, it's been a big weekend. We've, um, we've, we've had conversations about how crazy our last Plus, few yeah. actions have been. Absolutely. I mean, biggest thing, recording in the new studio. I am sitting in Nick's new abode the new humble abode so i mean i sent a cryptic instagram story out with the empty with the empty movie bookcases empty bookcases no dvds on them and i just wrote the end it was really like ominous it was was, yeah it was (laughs) was so ominous uh and i got so many lovely messages everyone being like don't do it so so many people like are you quitting reviewing and i was like can you imagine yeah imagine if i just up and left yeah all this momentum that's been built. Yeah. All this fun that I'm having. And I was like, nah. And be like, you know what? I don't like I don't like watching movies and I don't I like talking to people about my it. normal job. I love doing nine to five. It <sighs> makes my life so much happier. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. It was an impersonation of me. That's what that was. <laughs> me in my mind right now. But obviously, so there were so many lovely messages from people about not quitting and, and hoping I wasn't quitting, which I wasn't. I've moved house. Maybe someday, maybe one day I should just, just to like, just so I can just get, to see, just, but just so I can get people to, to make, feel me, good to make me feel about myself. <laughs> like, okay, if I stopped doing it, would anybody care? And then the worst thing would be if everyone was like, nah, just probably do, not do what you want. I'd be like, oh, I feel like I feel like do what you want is worse than like nah, because at least you know if nah, you're like well that's where they stand with you. Yeah, you know, just do what you want. They just don't care. Yeah, there's like there's a yeah actually, but if there. they say like yeah, you should stop, you'll be like right? you've, you've thought about that, motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, moved house, but we got a new setup. There is some movies 
on the the bookcase at the moment. He's got a lot of um a lot of A's to D's. <laughs> A to D. <laughs> A to D is properly set up. I've got all my steel books on there. The famous steel books that you see in the, in the reviews. Sorry, I'm just dying P- in the P- background. Having a, a coughing fit there. Yeah. It's not COVID. Don't worry. And I've got two full boxes of movies. Two full ass boxes. But I set up all the important stuff first, like the movies yep. and the recording equipment and, the, and ar- the TV in the lounge room. And the aroma diffuser. And the aroma diffuser. <laughs> We don't have a bed to sleep on. We don't have a couch to sit on. But every electronic device has been set up. I, but honestly, that's where I look at it as because I'm like, 100%. Because when you're making furniture or building furniture, or <laughs> when you make it, the furniture, when you make the furniture, you want, <laughs> you want there to be things yeah, to look at. Exactly, right? Like, I'd rather have something on in the background being like, let's put a TV show on Absolutely. whilst we make our bed. I spent all afternoon before recording building Ikea furniture. Yeah. Watching one of the movies that we're talking about today. Right. You know what I mean? So it was a great two birds, one nah, I mean situation. Uh, speaking of movies we're talking about today. What are we talking about today? There's a little horror film coming out called The Black Phone. It's coming out in Australia. It's, out in Australia. it's already out in the United States. Uh, we have already seen it. It's one of the very few times that we can say... That we have seen the movie that we are held to embargo. embargo. It's out there in the world. So we can Um, say we've watched it. We did see it a while ago. A very long time ago. I feel like at least a month ago. We we saw it before. Before its US release. Yeah, and the US release has been two weeks. Something like that. Two weeks now. And we were lucky enough to see it because both of us spoke to Scott Derrickson, Ethan Hawke, and Mason Thames and Madeline McGraw. Yes, who were all. Super, super lovely. Ethan Hawke is... Ethan Hawke is the nicest he's man. He's the national treasure. National Inter- treasure. International treasure. International treasure. I That was like... I, I remember tweeting about him after the interview being like, oh, you know, just an interview with a notoriously nice actor yeah. and he's even better in person. Like, he's the nicest dude ever. Scott Derrickson, incredibly interesting. Um, the way he spoke about... And this isn't really like diving deep into him because he spoke about it for interview purposes. Mm. The way he sort of has his childhood traumas yeah. sort of in the narrative, especially in the black phone, it was quite interesting. Um, but and I felt a lot of sympathy for him, mm. uh, or empathy, I guess, for him. Um, and then Mason Thames and Madeline McGraw. Madeline oh McGraw God. is a treasure. She, when treasure. you see, so we're saying, not if you see the black phone, when, when you see the black phone, when you will understand why Madeline McGraw yes. is someone that has been, like she's, being, I mean, you can't talk about this film without talking about her. No, she's her the, character one of the is very pivotal to this story moving forward the way it does. Oh god, yeah. But her performance, like, is incredible, and and that's not something you can normally say about child performances, especially in horror films. Yeah, uh, she is genuinely amazing and has literally all the comedic moments. Yeah, and kills them. And like, yeah, not so funny. And not it's not forced comedic moments. No. It's like just kids being kids, just saying. Saying kid shit yeah. in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, it's great. But um, I, I spoke yeah. to Scott Derrickson last year when the trailer first came out. Yes, because this film, was supposed to come out in January. Yeah, so this, this is the film was coming out in January. The trailer was released, I think, around I want to say around October. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I spoke to him then, and he mentioned like about Madeline McGraw, and he said that he pushed the film's filming back to get her in this film, and, and then you watch I it mean, and go, oh. I get it now. It I get why I would move my whole production around to getting this actress. 
And it's so worth it because she's amazing. Incredible. And I guess we'll like briefly talk about it before we talk about the th- other movies we're talking about today. But Black Phone for me is currently in my top 10 of the year. Right. I loved it. Uh, I think what separates it from any other random horror with like kind of slasher thriller, kind of supernatural mm. sort of vibes is that it takes its whole first act to build up the relationship between yeah. the brother and the sister. And I think that's something going about the films we're going to talk about. Scott Derrickson has a way of blending emotional storylines yeah. with his horror narratives. Yes. And he does it very, very well. It's almost like the horror is secondary. Yeah. But at the same time, his movies are still incredibly scary, incredibly mm. creepy, incredibly brutal. Mm. And Black Phone's no exception. No. Because that is it is so well led by Ethan Hawke, oh. who is menacing. Talk about nicest man to talk to. Yeah. Scariest motherfucker to watch yeah. on screen uh, as the grabber, who's a child abductor slash murderer. Yeah. Wow. What fun. What a, what a, what a yeah. cinema to see. But I was really invested in the first act. There's still some crazy drama in the first act and some very intense moments. And there's horror that of isn't different. Yeah. Kind, that isn't yeah. like the traditional, like, oh, it's scary. Like, this is like fam, like, it borders on like, it's like the yeah. mention of family abuse. And yeah, and, and domestic abuse and, and stuff. And that's yeah. terrifying. And that he doesn't shy away from it. No. But I think it serves the narrative incredibly well. Yeah, because it also- break down the relationship between the father and his kids. That's and it. Sort of and it why. builds the the bond between the, bro- the brother and sister exactly. who very much like, you know, when he gets abducted, it's her that is like- I yeah, need to, I she need needs to, to find, find I him. need to find my brother. And it's yeah. such a fun- con- It's such an interesting little concept too because obviously- the brother is kidnapped by Ethan Hawke and there's a black phone in the basement, not mm. connected to anything. And then it starts ringing and the voices of the children who were murdered before him mm. are the voices he hears on the other end of the phone. It's awesome concept. And it great concept could have been like, you hear it and go, Oh, so he's talking to little dead ghost children. Yeah. It sounds like it could be really yeah. stupid, but it's pulled off so, so well. well. And the way that he yeah. brings in the imagery of the kids actually in the, in the room, room with but, him, but, but the, he, he can't, can't see them. them. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's really incredible. And the, there's all these little nuances throughout. Like one of my favorite things is the fact that when the phone rings and he's trying to find out who it is, they don't know their names they're, and things like that. Because they're, they're in the afterlife. Yep. So they're culture. starting to basically deteriorate and they're forgetting yes. who they are. So he's like, are you this kid? And he's like, yeah, that's right, I am. Like it's, Absolutely. it's, it's, so it's, cool. such, it's a really well thought out concept. Really well thought out concept. Obviously we don't want to give too much away. Just go, just go see it. We want you to go see it. Yeah, just go see it on July 21st. July 21 here in Australia and Lucky Ducks, if you've already seen it overseas. But in saying that, Scott Derrickson is the director and one of the screenwriters Mm -hmm. on the film. So we thought we'd look back at Scott Derrickson's horror film career. Yes. Many people probably know Scott Derrickson as the director of Doctor Strange. Yes. Uh, and we we wanted to shy away from that because obviously Black Phone is so far removed from Doctor Strange, and we don't need to talk about another yeah, Marvel, Marvel movie at this movies. point. So we're gonna we're gonna touch on his horror career, uh, and I mean, and that doesn't include the box office horror that was the day the Earth stood still with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that movie. However, we are talking about his directorial debut with The Exorcism of Emily Rose. We are talking about uh, what I think is one of the best horror films of all time, Sinister, and one of the most okay horror films of all time in Deliver Us from Evil 2014, starring Australia's own Eric Banner. Yeah. Let's let's kick things off. Let's get straight into The Exorcism of Emily Rose. It was released in 2005. Mm -hmm. Critics score, 
44%. Mm. Audience score, 60%. Okay. Which makes a bit, it makes sense to me. Makes yeah. sense. Uh, the story of uh, the exorcism, El- wow, good, good English, Nick. The exorcism <laughs> of Emily Rose uh, is about a lawyer who takes on a negligent homicide case involving a priest who performs an exorcism on a young girl, that young girl being Emily Rose, played by Jennifer Carpenter. So this was the first time I'd ever seen this movie. Right. I'd never seen it before. Obviously, I knew of its existence. Uh, and it's not that I'd never wanted to watch it, mm. but it's just never one that's like come up on my radar, obviously, until now. Also, we should say this film is a good example of why physical media matters because this, find it anyway. this film is not available to stream on any service. No, I definitely had to pay to rent it. So well, well, I'm just saying... If you have it on, if you had it on DVD, did you or have Blu-ray, it on DVD? I or did you not. Have to rent it as I well. Yeah. Um, it's I, very hard to find now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I feel like no one's really talking about it, which yeah. is interesting. You'd think it would come back with Black Phone coming mm. out, but uh, I'm assuming this wasn't the first time you've watched it, though. So I saw this in 2005 in the cinema. Um, I went to the cinema and saw it twice because I saw it Ooh. with my friend, yeah, and yeah. then I watched it, and I was like, you know what? My mum would actually really like this movie. Oh, Took my mum, and. Mm. Yeah, because obviously it was advertised and it was advertised more as a horror film. Yes. And as much as this has horror elements, this is a courtroom It's a courtroom drama, drama thriller. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel yes. like a lot of people dismissed this movie when it first came out. Do you think because of that reason? Because it's a courtroom Maybe, drama? Maybe, but I also or? think, like, you know, like a lot of people have a thing against PG-13 horror movies in the States. This is a pretty tame horror movie. But... Overall, yeah. But I think Sinister, which we'll talk about later, mm. kind of made people go, oh, Scott Derrickson's like a really good horror director. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. He's directed other things. Other, yeah. yeah. So I think that made people kind of go back to watch... Emily Rose and sort of reevaluate and go, mm. oh, this is actually a good, like, this is a good movie. Because I, I feel like it has been looked upon more fondly in retrospect. Yeah. And being the first time I've watched it, I was kind of like, oh, I'm intrigued by the fact that it's a courtroom drama because obviously knowing now having seen Terrickson's other work, mm. like we said earlier, he does like, oh, what's the word? He does like genre movies with elements of horror. So yeah. he does the courtroom drama with, with horror. Yeah. Or he does like the coming of age movie with, with horror. horror. Uh, and I was very intrigued by it. And then obviously it's the base on a true story, their opening text. And it is, there is a real case that it's inspired was, by. We should say that this, this, I mean, it is inspired by a real case. It is one of those films that it has a little bit of a, Rea- like it has a little bit of basis in reality. Yes. Especially, I, I mean, that's mainly the courtroom yeah. stuff. There was a father who was, Charged because Emily Rose died and yeah. yeah, And And, it's all. But I also think part of the reason why this film might've not gotten the kind of attention it deserved Mm. was because there are so many films that have that, like the exorcism of the haunting, like the haunting of in Connecticut, the taking of Deborah, like the haunting of exorcism, Deborah Deborah Logan Logan or whatever. Like all of these films that were just like, Oh, let's just grab a word put a city or put a name on I it. I saw one. Say it's based on true events. I saw one that know. came out last year called The Exorcism of God. I haven't watched it, sorry, but I saw, and I was like, wow, we've gone straight to the top. Yeah. We've run out. Like, how, who like do you, you exercise yeah. after you've yeah. exercised the Lord there, and Savior? I'm, like, I'm not sure what movie, maybe it was the Deborah Logan. There was some movie where literally mm. it got to the end. Yeah. 
And then it finished and, like, the credits said to find out the ending of this film, go to a website. Oh. And it pissed everybody off because it was like we've just sat through this movie trying to find – and, yeah, it was literally this weird marketing angle that obviously did not work. work. Um, Interesting. But, no, I remember – because, I mean, I've always been a horror fan, so I was like, oh, I want to see The Exorcism of Billy Rose. And I was surprised watching it that it was – as much of a courtroom drama, drama as it was, yeah. but I really enjoyed it. Yes, I I liked it yeah. a lot. However, I thought, and this may be because of exactly what you said, mm. there are so many exorcism exorcism of movies yeah. where I was like, okay, no, I've seen a lot of this before. Like it doesn't it doesn't break a lot of new ground. No, no. I will give it credit for the fact that it and like I mean the beginning of this movie essentially tells you Emily Rose is dead. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you kind of go, okay. Well, it's the, it's the police rocking up to, or the, the coroner yeah. rocking up to the house yeah. with the father. The so, I mean, there. as much as you could think, okay, maybe it'll be a fake out and we're led to believe she's dead and it ends yeah. up being someone else. But this film pretty much says- It commits. This is not going to have a necessarily happy ending. No. And I liked that you were watching this, you know, because we've got the-, the Jennifer Carpenter as Emily Rose, Tom Wilkinson yep. as Tom Wilkinson is yep. the father um, Morph, and then Laura Linney is the Erin uh, Bruner, is the, the, the lawyer, the lawyer who is basically taking on this case where they're saying he like she's trying to fight for him, saying like they believed she needed an exorcism. He was doing yes. the right thing. They both agree, like they had consent to do this. Yes, yeah. whereas the opposition, which is Campbell Scott, Campbell who's Scott, yeah. such an arsehole he's in this so movie. Good he's so good he's at it. He's so good at it. Um, who's basically saying, no, she had um, like epilepsy. Yeah, they were talking about epilepsy like, and paranoia. She just needed medication. Yeah. and Which is an interesting core of battle. Yeah, and I really like that this film, like it gives you both arguments and you're kind of there going, it's not a terror, like it's not a crazy argument. No. Like no. you're watching it going, maybe she is epileptic. Like, yeah. I like that it never was like, it's purely. There's no definitive it's answer. purely horror. It can't have any explanation. And because then you're going for, you can't prove that exorcisms don't work, but you also can't prove they do they work. They don't. Yeah, exactly. So I like yeah. that it had, it was, it was always going, to, it's, it's fair to both. You know, to both. It, it, yeah, it doesn't cancel it. one one of the others out yeah. in, in that regard. But I mean, I've oh, I found a quote earlier from Scott Derrickson about the film, which this is great filler. But it would ba- he basically said that I can't really find it anywhere. I thought I had it written down. Basically, it was basically saying he didn't want to make a movie that was giving you a definitive answer, but more so creating a moral dilemma of. Yeah. Who is in the right? Who is in the wrong? And more so, making a story where you f- ultimately feel bad for Emily Rose. Yeah, like the the sympathy is there and, for that character. And you know, you get to the ending where, su- like, surprisingly, yes, the court case does not go in the favor like, no. of the exorcism. But you kind of it's kind of offset by them saying he doesn't deserve to be in jail because he's already spent the entire. Um, trial, trial in, in prison. Yeah, he, so he, you find out early on that he opted not to do the t- take bail from the archdiocese. Yeah, because he was so like because he was know. destroyed. He wanted yeah. to. He was like, I'm going to fight this case. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So Proved I like that, that it right. kind of went against convention in that regard. I agree. I agree. So many films would have been like, it's going to be an exorcism, and the priest is going to get off, and yep. we're all, and the lawyer's going to like, it's all going to be happy, haha. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. not that at all. Where I think it's most conventional. Is and weirdly enough, like the most annoying part is its horror 
until the exorcism. Oh, the exorcism scene is like yeah, and I and what I really loved is like okay, Jennifer Carpenter, who we didn't really know too much about her at this. This point. is before Dexter. This is before Dexter. Dexter. This is just after White Cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a great double feature. Um, but like I like that so much of her performance is so physical. Like yes. she like contorts her body and she actually and does like, it yeah, in camera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then what another thing that I really appreciated was there are so many horror films that when they play something in the dark, they yeah. lighten the dark so much that yeah. it looks light. In this film, I liked that when someone's in the dark, you can't see their face, you okay. can't see what's behind them. Like I liked This is something that, I was gonna bring yeah. up. This is very Scott Derrickson. Yes. Because one it's so in the order of watching these movies, I watched Deliver Us from Evil first. Right. And one of the notes I wrote down is like, why is everything so fucking dark? And then I watched Exorcism Emily Rose and I was like, oh, everything's really dark. And then I watched Sinister and I was like, right, this is his style. Like this he, is his like, he, dark is dark. Dark yeah, is like, supposed to be scary. If you, you're like, supposed to be fearful. Yeah, like yeah. if you're walking around your kitchen at nighttime and you have your window open, there's yeah. a little bit of light. But like, it's not like, it's in, not, it's not like yeah. in horror, like most horror movies where they're in, the complete darkness, but we can see everything. everything. Where they like, like light a match and, and then it lights know, in the whole like, room yeah, up. Or yeah. the lights coming through like the window and it's like, exactly. oh, it's perfectly lit this whole room. I liked that he was like, no, if you can't see something, we'll make it so that you can't see But he uses see it. it as a fear tactic as yeah. well. like he's, Or as a t- tactic for tension or because, whatever. Because, you know, Laura Linney being involved in this case. Who's amazing in oh, this movie. So but I, I should point out, Jennifer Carmen and Laura Linney and Tom Wilkinson are fantastic in yeah. this. Like they're giving genuine like- yeah. I'm not gonna say Oscar worthy performances, no, but, but it's like for a film that you just, it is good for a film that you're like, oh, it's like a throwaway horror, horror film. Like, no, it's great. not. They're committing to They're this. really great. And you know, sh- her character, she's told like, you're being in, you're investigating something demonic. Demonic forces are gonna possibly come yeah, after he you. He says that to her in the prison. Yeah, you know. So and then obviously, so she. Weird. So then her scenes are like, you're worried. Oh crap! Is something gonna happen to her? And the way Scott Derrickson mirrors those moments with what we've already seen in. Emily Rose's flashbacks. Yeah. You it's such it's so great. The clock stopping at 3 a.m. Yeah. And it happens so many times throughout the movie before you find out. And then I love that they explain this. Father Moore goes, 3 a.m. is the witching hour, the witching hour. for demonic spirits. And yeah. I was like, oh fuck. Okay, that's really yeah. cool. Like this whole thing's led up to this point where you're like, oh, they've been in danger the whole time. Yeah. Um, and I like that it's sort of Laura Linney's character, Aaron, Aaron Brower, I think her name was, were like her perspective on everything is shifting slowly because she never, the classic opening like yeah. scene between her, she's like, Oh no, I'm agnostic. Like, yeah. I don't think I believe. And he's like, Oh, well, you don't think you believe you yeah. might not be agnostic. And you kind of go, Oh yeah, whatever. Like just trying to convert him to her to Catholic Catholicism or whatever. Yeah. But then as the things slowly happen to her and these sort of like weird supernatural forces mm. at play and it's sort of affecting her judgment. And in the case, it makes this fantastic moral dilemma. Like I said, the most conventional parts of this uh, are the horror. I do. One of the things I do like about the horror sequences is, you know, the the very opening shot. Yes. Has the barbed wire, barbed wire with the, the blood, blood dripping off, it. and then it says the exorcism. Of Emily Rose like comes up in that, yeah. and I like that. That's sort of brought back when she talks about stigmata. Yes. But then also you go, but she could have just put her hands on barbed, on barbed wire. wire, like. 
I yeah. will, it's it's just it's it really is. This movie clever. does fuck with you as the like, audience. It really does. Right. It, it really is clever how it sort of gives you one thing and you go, okay, yeah, no, it's sure. got to be. It's got to be exorcism. It's got to be that. And then it's like another reason you go, no, yeah, someone could just put their hands on a barbed yeah. wire fence because she doesn't. She's disorientated and she doesn't know what she's doesn't doing. Doesn't know what she's yeah yeah. yeah. She, if she's sick, does she yeah. have epilepsy? And is she completely paranoid? And it's yeah. all psychosis. And then it's all like encapsulated in Jennifer Carpenter's like go for broke performance. It must like, have been in, physically oh, exhausting like, to be her. The way she contorts her and the and moments just, of screaming. Like, it. like and, if yeah. you look at it and just go, yeah, you would be exhausted after. Like you She's can imagine committed. them go, going cut and her just like just dying. Just collapsing. Yeah. Because yeah. she is so committed to the role. I love the moment where, and it's actually, it's like, I sorry, I don't love the scene because of the content. Yeah. But it's the first time we see the demonic presence or whatever sort of fuck with her. Mm. And it's when it assaults her in her bed. Yeah. It's a very confronting moment. Cause you kind of like, there's a moment where there's nothing on top of her and it looks like she's getting held down, which you've seen so many times yeah. in horror movies, but then it tries to lift her shirt up. And I was like, Oh, I was like, fuck. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is scary. Like yeah. this is probably anything can happen right yeah. now. Um, and that scene of just the way she held her body so fucking stiff. And I was like, that looks painful like, as hell. You were acting with nothing. Like there. you, like you must, like, I don't know if she has like a, like a contortionist de- like, or like a dancer background or oh, something, true, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. she it makes more sense to be a dancer than a contortionist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like how in um, like licorice pizza, he's like, just say yes to, to everything. everything? They're like, yeah. Jennifer, are you a contortionist? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you're high. Oh, you're high. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's such a it's such a committed performance oh God, yeah. that like even if you watch this and don't think much of the film itself, yeah. you can't there's no way no. that you can say, Oh, Jennifer Carmen was phoning it in. Everything like, I'd heard before watching it yeah. was praise. Was her, yeah. For sure. Uh some of the scares that I found really like the reason I found them conventional is the classic the, the demon face in the clouds yeah. and the demon face in the reflection. And then I did, I did find the montage scene pretty cool when she's looking at people and all their faces are turning to demons. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it did feel like 2005 special effects at some points, but it's also made in 2005. It so I can't, 2005 horror I movie. can't hold it yeah. against it. Um, but it, especially in the movies, like middle 40 minutes, it just rehashes so yeah, much of that. It was yeah, it was kind of like that thing of like, oh, yeah. we kind of need to bump this. We need time to move this movie bit. along a yeah. little bit, and and it does lead to. I think Derrickson fixes that up a lot in, especially in Sinister, and especially in the Black Phone. Oh, yeah, like a lot more time. Oh, the and, Black and Phone is like quick. The Black Phone does not feel. It, it's yeah. still an hour forty five, which is long. It, it doesn't waste any. Doesn't time. waste any time. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just found like the repetitive nature of scares that have been used for eternity in horror film. I was mm. like, okay, this movie isn't scaring me on the level that I th- assumed it might being yeah. a Scott Derrickson film. Yeah. Uh, which was fine. But there was, there is one moment though, when she scratches her, uh, she scratches the wall. She's like doing her, like it's when they've locked her in the, her bedroom at this yeah. point, And she's like almost at full, well, unless you can lock, unlock a hundred percent possession, yeah. the slow build up, and she's like scratching. She's gone. The she's wall. gone full possession. She's gone point. full possession, uh, and I just hate that. I hate scratching uh, against oh, the wall. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, look, overall, I don't have like much else to say about this movie. But no. it's good. Yeah, I, th- I think, good. I think if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, and you're interested in Scott Derrickson's like horror filmography and you want to see like where he started. It's hundred like, percent. And all, like, and it's, as we said, it's not a, like, 
it's not a terrible movie. No, no, it's you know? really not. And like you sort of get, you get like a, you get like a, yeah, it's, you've probably seen a lot of the exorcism stuff before, but you get a decent exorcism movie and you get a great, yeah, courtroom drama Good, out of it, and, and you get incredible performances. I will, I will touch on as well. The exorcism scene is about fifteen minutes long, mm. and it is intense. It's very intense. It is so intense. Yeah, and it was so well it's, shot. It's and yeah, and it's that's where it kind of also breaks convention a little bit because it's not the yes. typical like someone in a bed just going like, like and like the power of Christ compels, no, and it's, it's not like vo- she's not vomiting green. No, it's shit. not like the it's, exorcist. It's, it's this. Very intense sort of almost mental back and forth between a man who is so locked in his faith Mm. and then sort of is like, oh, I'm going to have to push this to another limit to get this demon out of this girl. Yeah. And yeah. And And Jennifer Carpenter in that scene. And probably probably also in his mind thinking this could kill her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do I want to kill her to get a demon out? Exactly. Because then it's also a case of have you even like, have you won that? Yeah, in a exactly. sense, because you're yeah. trying to save this girl, and over saving her is and like the demon's gone, her. but she's dead. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah. a fantastic scene, fantastic scene. The next film. So unfortunately, after this movie, Scott Derrickson did make the bomb that was the day the earth stood still. Something he openly admitted mm. in the interview as well. Uh, and then he got an opportunity from none other, none other than Jason Blum. We love. We love the Blum. We, we love, love Blumhouse. Blum. Blumhouse Productions gave him some money, a little bit of cash, a little bit of cashish, a little bit of what's that thing? I think it was ten million dollars. It was. It wasn't one. massive. It was modest. To make Sinister in 2012, washed up true crime writer Ellison Oswald finds a box of Super 8 home movies in his new home, revealing that the murder he is currently researching is the work of a serial killer. Jesus, I okay. <laughs> Critic score on Rotten Tomatoes for Sinister, 63. That, Audience score, 62. That, that fucks me off. This movie is criminally underrated. <laughs> this movie is All right. fantastic. I think one of the best horror films of the 2010s. I honestly thought Sinister was in like the 80s or 90s. Like, as in... As, oh, right, sorry. Yeah, like, rating. Yeah. I was like, no, yeah. Pete. No, no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm aware it's made in 2012. <laughs> sorry, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um... Criminally underrated. That's, that's because everybody I speak to loves this movie. That who is like, oh, scary movie, and I say, have you seen Sinister? And they're yeah. all like, oh my god, yeah. yeah. Like it's oh. So our mutual friend Brayden, we were talking about the black phone. I was yeah. talking about the black phone with him, and I was like, you need to watch Sinister. And I showed him the lawnmower scene, mm. and he was like, okay. I'm, and he went home and watched that night. And then we, um, he was talking to Rihanna, and I was like, what do you think is Sinister? And he was like. Fucking incredible. Yeah. Because it's, and no one, t- like, well, it's not that no one talks about it because I assumed as well when I was like writing all this up, I was like, can't wait to gloat about everyone's favorites. And I was like, yeah. 60 fucking 3%. That's, yeah. And like, I, so when I spoke to Scott straight yeah. up, I just said, before I get to the black phone, <laughs> I said, I have to tell you, Sinister is one of the scariest films I've ever seen and it's one of the greatest horror films. And he was just You're not like, wrong. and he, but, and, and I sort of thought, you know what? They're probably, he's probably sick of hearing, hearing that, that. Right. And bloody great answer. He was like, you would think that, um, he's like, you would think that actors and directors get sick of yeah. hearing that. He's like, we never do. No. He's like, we love hearing that. He's like, but, but he was also like, but thank you very much for but, that. But also when it's as deserved when as it's it is. Deserved, this isn't, yeah, this wasn't just me like, kissing ass to no. like soften up an interview. Like no. this movie is genuinely, genuinely terrifying. Um, 
it was pretty terribly handled in Australia in terms of release. Like it didn't, yes, it okay. didn't really get much of a, I don't actually know if it got like a, I think it got a small cinema release because I remember seeing a trailer for it, it at the cinemas. But, so it played at Biff in, so the, oh. Brisbane, so the Brisbane International Film Festival, for people who don't know what Biff is, it played at Biff okay. before it got like, so I didn't know if it was getting a cinema release. Yeah, right. So when I saw that it was playing at Biff, yep, you I like, was jump like, on that. I'm yeah. seeing it. And it was like a 9.30 session at night. Nice. There was 10 people in the session. So, But I was like, wow. this is, but I was also like, but this is perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's you and the horror film. It's you and the fucking um, horror. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it was, and I had managed to, I knew like I'd seen the trailer. I knew the gist of what the film was about. Yep. I didn't know anything in terms of specifics. Yeah. Yep. So no one told me like, oh, you're going to watch scene. murders. Like, no happen. one told yep. me about it. So it was even more of like, yeah. holy fucking shit. Wow. The imagery in this film is terrifying. terrifying. Scott Derrickson. Like, hey. So when was your like, fir- when did you first see I saw film? it when it came out on Blu-ray. I was okay. working at Blockbuster. Right. Um, okay. And I remember seeing the trailer in the cinemas, obviously didn't watch it in the cinemas. Uh, so I saw it when it first came out and fucking loved it. Yeah. Loved it. And I just always considered it one of my favorite horror films mm. since. Um, obviously Scott Derrickson directed it again. He also co-wrote it with C. Robert Cargill, who he worked again with mm-hmm. on The Black Phone. So basically those two working together create horror magic. Horror fucking magic. Um, this movie, holy fuck. <laughs> the opening shot of this film is you watching one of the, this is how the movie opens. Yeah. You were watching a Super 8 footage. Mm. Obviously, as we found out in the synopsis, that it's a box of Super Hate Eight movies about a serial killer, mm. a family, a dad, <sighs> a mum, and two kids with bags on their heads, with nooses around their necks, and in slow motion, get chills. chills. And then a branch falls off the tree, and it hoists them up, and you just watch a family of four get hung, like, get yeah. strangled to death. And it doesn't even like cut off; like it literally, like you watch them, like. Like you dangle and struggle, struggle. Like it's, and then it just goes, then it freeze frames and goes sinister. And it's like, you watch it and just go, (laughs) Oh, that is sinister. That's fuck. And then you think, Oh, great. That's the opening scene to this film. What? Hey, maybe we've, maybe we've reached the worst. Maybe it's a lovely movie from here. Nah, and absolutely not. This movie is fucked beyond belief. Like I like that. I saw you like you're, you're presented with this, imagery and then it does take a bit of time before it gets to another like another, another super s- eight video yes, yeah because it's probably about half an hour because we're like we're introduced to ethan hawk who is a writer a who's writer yep. you know he's had he's had a big success but now he's sort of yeah so that's that's what's i like about the yeah. uh, his introduction is yeah you find out he's a true crime writer uh and he has helped solve his biggest selling book, helped yeah. solve the case. But, but another one of his books had a killer let free. Yeah. And, and he criticized the police for it and, in his book. And the town, so the house that he's moved into is. It's alluded to at first. It's alluded to confirmed that, that, later. that something happened in this house. Yeah. And obviously, there is that sort of 
that trope of like the family not knowing like why would you why would you bring us to this right, house? Because his wife goes like just tell me we're not like two down two houses down yeah. from the crime scene again. And, and he's he like, says he's no, like, no, which is true it's because he's true. in the crime scene house. <laughs> he's in the fucking but, house. So, but the but the townspeople as well aren't particularly thrilled about their them being here because it's like the last time this happened, yes. a killer got set free. Like, exactly. We don't yeah. want like we don't want you here. And he's and even like the cops that the come sheriff in sort, of, is, sort of says is, like I don't want any like you don't you be fucking around with my town yeah um and that's when the first instance is given away that he might be in the house is when the cop goes like don't you think it's in bad taste that you're moving in here yeah and I was like like <laughs> yeah like it is kind of nice that it's not like you know it's not specifically like sh- you see the house and then you see the house in no- present day no. like it's. It is. It's a while before like Ethan Hall w- walks out the back of the house, and you s- and you see the tree, the tree that, that the has, family has been hung the, on, yeah. that the branch, and the you branch just go, snapped, and you put like one right. and one together, yeah. yeah. Um, but the Super Eight footage in this yeah, film, these tapes that he finds, like, it's, and it's also a case <laughs> of you find these tapes in the attic that have horrific murder sequences on them, yeah. But then it then brings in like this supernatural element of yeah there's this a demonic spirit yeah. the fucking face of yeah. this sp- the best way to describe it is it looks like it looks like a sharp hockey mask but like with no mouth like it yeah. looks like a burnt mouth sort of thing but it's it's not a mask it's 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 face. kind of also like like a flat skeletal yeah yeah that's a good Almost. way yeah it's fucking horrifying is it's, what it is yeah and he slowly begins oh. to find in the footage that he's watching the presence of this this yeah. demon, which is called a ghoul, which uh, a great cameo from Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, yeah. Uh, later on in the film, the eater of children, which a ghoul is the eater of children. And let me just tell you, a lot of horror films, even like the most brutal, they tend to still play it pretty nicely with kids. <laughs> they might they might put kids in peril, but they never actually kill shit. They, Not Scott. They never actually kill children. children. Not Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson, free for all. Scott Derrickson's like, you are not safe in my movie. And, no one is safe in my movie. And we unfortunately have children die in this film. Yeah. So but I mean, also we're seeing, it's like death through the Super 8 videos. So it's not like. There's a, dis, there's a detachment there's a bit of a almost. Detachment, at the same time, the Super 8 videos are fucking confronting. I, and they're so well done because Scott Derrickson has used and then uses very well again in the black phone, we yeah. might add, uh, the use of Super 8 film. Yeah. And like it's that, just these really grungy. And they've got like the choppy editing. The real choppy film editing. Uh, it's obviously like a handheld camera. Most of them, if they're not filmed during the day, it's someone just hot having the torch on the top as well. So it's again, the darkness thing. You can't see much around. And I guess the best example is the lawnmower scene. Oh my god! So there's a scene, one of the Super <sighs> Eight footages that Ethan Hawke watches. I don't like honestly. I don't even know if us describing it's going to do it justice. It is. It's on YouTube. I would recommend watching it's it. Genuinely it's genuinely a terrifying. Scene. I also recommend just watching. Watch this the movie. whole movie. Please. Watch the whole fucking thing. Uh, and he, this this person holding the camera, torch on. It's pissing down rain. Gets on a uh, walks around, grabs a lawnmower, and just starts pushing it along. And the it grass. seems. It seems incredibly innocent. Although by this point, we know what these videos do. But we don't know what's exactly yeah. is going to happen and, in but, this. And like, yeah. I remember watching it thinking, oh my God, it's going to run over somebody. Yes. Like that's just your initial thought. Absolutely. But because of the way that it's filmed and you just got 
the immediate you you've got the immediate light around you and nothing else. Nothing else. Like you, it's there's no tension of it. Like it's not like we can see the person in danger like, and yeah. it's the slow. And it's a long scene. Yeah. It is moving for a long time before all of a sudden there is someone mouth taped on the ground and it's that it's a loud sound. It's the sound. But the this is what I loved about that because yeah. I usually think it's a cop out when they do the loud music As, sting. Yeah, yeah. It's the the Super 8 film projector running out going like, yeah. But it's such a horrifying noise. Because that noise kicks in at the exact moment that we see the person. The, mo- the mower basically the, go over, go the over person. a person. And then it scares the shit out of Ethan Hawke. And I think, I genuinely think it's one of the best jump scares oh, in cinema history. Absolutely. It is fantastic because of its brutality and because it's actually fucking scary. I've got a, like a little list here of some of the murders, <laughs> if you don't mind. Uh, Rattle them off. Burning a family in a car. Yep. Uh, uh, they're all taped up and the car has been like chained so the doors can't be opened uh, and then gasoline and they're lit on fire. How exciting. Got the, pool. Uh, the pool murders yeah. is uh, for me arguably like a little more brutal than the lawnmower. Yeah, I think. The, in the, the sense of how you would die. Yeah, because the lawnmower is kind of like is pretty like definitive. Yes. Like you get run over the lawnmower. Yeah. You're going to feel like, I'm not saying like, oh, if I had to it's choose a way to die, I'd love to be run. No, I'd choose a lawnmower. You're like. going to feel it, but the pool is like slow. You're, you're drowning. So they, it's the family have been taped to, like, um, duct like taped to, to the deck, like deck, lounge, deck, chairs. deck chairs yeah. with a rope and the rope just gets pulled and they just get pulled into the pool and then, one by one. And then, well. Which is terrifying because you're like, oh, great, I'm watching my family die as well, knowing I'm going to die next. (sighs) But then also the little cherry on top of that scene is that as he's watching it in the pool. In the fucking pool looking directly at the camera. Is um, a ghoul. A ghoul literally walking and then just like looks like directly (sighs) at the camera. camera. It's horrifying face. And that's that's when Ethan Hawke first finds uh, a ghoul in there. And then the last one, the last thing we see is uh, someone's – slitting the throats of people who have been duct taped and tied into their beds. Mm. Um, which I love about that moment is that you see it in the reflection of Ethan Hawke's glasses. Yeah. Because that would be the most graphic. Yeah. But he's, he's, he's got direction. It's like, it's weird like how it. he's like shown like restrained in that regard because it's so much, yeah. it is so much more terrifying watching Ethan Hawke's reaction. Cause he's just like horrified. Is incredible in this film oh my because God. he's very, he's, he's obviously, He's obviously affected in a way by the fact that his career has gotten him into trouble because he's turned to alcohol. He's a mm. heavy drinker. Uh, he obviously loves his family, but he always sort of puts himself first. Yeah. So he has a, he has like a, a good relationship yeah, with his kids like, and his wife, yeah. but it's a very self serving relationship. And you and you get that like he seen like I feel like he sort of favors the daughter. Yes. More. Yes. The, I mean, the son has oh, is speaking has, of the daughter. Her introduction where she's painting like a dark black figure oh. on the wall. I'm like, mm, that's not a good sign. That's I've said this before. <laughs> like in any horror movie, if you move somewhere into a new house or you go to a new school and there's like a creepy kid or your kid starts doing creepy shit, move the Especially fuck Especially if out. they're drawing. If yeah. they're drawing shit. Or, no, and then, and then also, oh, who are you drawing? My best friend. Fucking get, get out. out. Or like, who told you that joke? Charlie did. <laughs> Where's Charlie? He's right here. Nah, get it, get it out. But we, but we wouldn't have horror movies without No, with tropes. creepy little but kids. I'm just saying, <laughs> I was ever somewhere and- I was talking to a kid and they were telling me a joke and I yeah, said yeah. who, and they were like, oh, my best friend is right here. I'd be like, there's no See one there. Kid. Fucking nuts. See I'd, be kid. Like, I'd be like, exercise your kid. <laughs> he 
not like, that fat. No, I mean like, no, get like, the demons yeah, out like, of him. Get, yeah, get the fucking demons anyway. out of him. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so Ethan Hawke's like very troubled, um, but he's so obsessed with solving this case. And then naturally the appearance of Agul like just makes him like, holy shit, I need, yes. like, I need to know about this. And the best part about it is that very subtly we're told that during one of the murders, and it's the throat slit murder, mm. that the son of the family has gone missing. So they presume that this killer has killed the family and abducted yeah. the son. And so when weird things start happening to Ethan Hawke, he's questioning why it's happening to him, mm. but not really looking at some of the obvious facts in front of him. Those obvious facts being that there has been a child missing in every case yeah. of every family getting murdered. And then when he finds out that a ghoul is the eater of children, he starts seeing visions of creepy demon ghost kiss. So let's just say. Holy shit. The ending of this film. Is like. Are you you talking about like the like last 10 minutes sort of ending of like when. I don't know why we're trying to hide around spoilers. When his daughter. Tries to kill him. Yeah. No. Or no. Oh, well, successfully yeah, kills but him. I'm yeah. like, but it's like there's that. So there's that which plays into just how like f- fucked up it is that kids are like. So yeah, a, kids are dying in this, but then kids are also basically being, being a, like yeah. groomed. A ghoul is the the eater of children, and by that is he possesses children yeah. to kill their to, families. Because yeah. then you realize it's yeah. kids doing it. To the, to so the, like, okay, yeah. so that's great. So that's when, so, so, okay, yeah. So like, we'll get up <laughs> Sorry, to Sorry, we've just gotten like, I know. I, yeah. Because this movie's fucking great. It's so great. I get excited. <laughs> I get very excited. <laughs> um, and then so Ethan Hawke's found the tapes and he's trying to put all these things together. He works with James Ransom, who's- Oh, a, he's so good. So good in the film. He, uh, he's a, one of the police officers who's a fan of uh, Ellison's work. I'll just quickly say, he is amazing in Black Phone too. He, yeah, he's got a really, he's like, it's, re, like it's a great little comedic role that fucking it kills. Though. He get, he gets, he's, and he also, and he also gets a really great moment. Like, oh yeah, yeah, he yeah. gets arguably yeah. one of the best moments. Yeah, in the yeah. Movie. Um, and he, he ultimately is Ellison's in to the police department. Yeah. Um, there's a fit, like, and so he's working. Ethan Hawke, well, Ellison, sorry, is working with this cop. They have, they have a fantastic moment together when Ethan Hawke is sort of at his wits end and not really knowing what's going on. Mm. And James Ransom goes like, I'm, I don't want to be this guy, but I come in, you have this new information, you found a new tape. There's normally an empty bottle of whiskey. Is this paranoia? Is this yeah. alcoholism and paranoia? And Ellison's like, I'm getting fucking possessed, not realizing the connection that a ghoul is going after His children. children yeah. And all these weird things are happening to his own daughter leading up to the the end of the film, which but I think is fantastic. But it's kind of great that him sort of talking about like, uh, is this just like alcohol yeah. induced? Yeah. You sort of almost start to think like, holy shit, is this whole film like, is, 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 this, like, is yeah, any of this, this actually real. happening? Like, it does plan the scene yeah, of doubt like in you your sort mind. Of think, yeah. Oh, and then you look like you sort of think, I wouldn't put it past him if we've gotten like Emily Rose, like fucking flipped my right. in expectation. So, I mean, I'm glad that it, I'm very glad that it wasn't like, it was all in his head. Like, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, route. for Cause sure. Because that, I felt like that would have been a bit of like a, uh, a bit of a cop out. A cop out. Yeah. And then, so he's putting all these pieces together. He's working with Vincent D'Onofrio, working with James Ransom. And, he finds an envelope that says the extended cuts ending or the extended ending cuts. Yeah. 
and we finally see the reveal. He puts all the, the Super 8 footage together. And at the end of each murder tape where it normally cuts off after the murders happened, a child will walk into the frame oh. and go shh to the camera. And every single one, and then he realizes it's every missing child from every family is the one that is who has is, killed their family. Yeah. So not only is Scott Derrickson killing kids, but he is having kids kill people. Yeah. No one is off limits no. in these movies. Uh, and then by the time he, uh, Ellison's put this together, it's too late because his daughter has now been taken by a ghoul. Comes in, hits him over the head, tapes him up starts recording and the last few shots of the film is uh, through the, we're watching the super eight footage uh, of the aftermath of Ellison's death. When you first saw it, yep. did you think that like when it sort of reveals the, about the kids, did you still sort of like expect that oh, Ethan Hawke will get out of this? Like, did you think he was going to die? I didn't think he was going to die, but I knew that, there was like, I assumed one of his kids and I thought it was going to be his daughter right. was going to do something, but I thought it was going to be the one where it's like, he has to make the tough decision made, yeah. or whether he has to kill his daughter. I was like, Oh no, they're going to kill him. Yeah. And Agul's legacy continues. Yeah. Um, which is a fucking amazing way to end the film. And then obviously the final shot of mm. the movie, very cheap, very scary. It's a, like, it's very kind of, cheeky. It's kind of like a, we need to throw in a bit of a, a, you know. But it, I kind of can allow it because oh, yeah. the same jump scare does happen in context earlier in the film yeah. where a ghoul's face comes down in the side of frame and it's almost like because it's to let us know his legacy still, still continues. It's like it won't stop. There yeah. are some fantastic jump scares in yeah. this movie outside of the lawnmower outside sequence. The lawnmower. Yeah. Um, when Ethan Hawke is looking out, so he's got the... He's print screened uh, one of the frames where a ghoul was in his backyard, moves it down. Who's in his backyard, but fucking a ghoul standing right there. And one that always like gets me is when um, the computer screen. Oh yes. And he, he, looks he briefly looks away and then a ghoul's face, face on the computer turns. screen turns. Yep. That That's fucking a scary one. Up. That was one of those ones that in the cinema you heard like the. Oh, oh right. yeah, like, yeah. It's that dread of like, yeah. Oh God, what the fuck's going to happen now? Uh, and the other jump scare I love is the callback one from the a ghoul coming into frame. Uh, it's a great scene where uh, where he finds the extended cuts. Well, sorry, the lights start flickering in his attic, mm. and he goes up to the attic, and all the children are there yeah. watching the because oh, so, he hears the Super Eight camera, but it's not in his room. Yeah, he hears it up in the attic. He goes up, and they're playing this footage of a ghoul as he's just walking closer and closer to the camera. Kids turn around and go, shush. The girl gets closer, closer, closer to the, the screen and then bam, he just jumps. In. It's fucking great scan. Yeah. So, yeah, I love if this you, movie. Yeah, if you can't tell, we're, um, we're big on Sinister. Big on Sinister. It, it deserves, it fucking deserves higher than 63 and 62. It deserves higher because Ethan Hawke's great in the film. I can't for the life of me remember who played his wife. I'll quickly have a look at it. Juliet Rylance. They have a fantastic argument scene that actually adds a lot of emotional subtext to their yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah. They're great together in the film. Uh, it, it mixes genuine like horror scares with tension. Like yeah. it uses a good amount of both. And, and as much it's as, sadistic. And it's as, a sadistic yeah. movie. And as much as we've spoken, like it is, it is great. Like it is violent. 
Yeah, it's it's a weird. But it like, isn't. It I would call it more brutal. Yeah, it's than not. Violent. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's weird to say it's not graphic. Like it's not graphically violent. Because there's some blood violent, and gore, but but it's yeah, it's the brutality and the thematics of. It's like, not the fact sore that it's, where yeah. you're seeing people get ripped apart. Yeah, but it's the idea of watching. A family duct taped to deck chairs and drowning. And I think also or a man getting run over with a lawnmower. And I also think like in terms of the lawnmower scene, like it it happens it happens too quickly for you to look away. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So because you unless unless you're unless you yeah. like unless you're already like looking away because but the do you lawn know what hap- do you know why I think he held that shot for so long? Because he knows people, people are gonna look that. away. And it's like, what's happened? What's happened yet? Yeah. And as soon as you yeah. look back, bam, there's a fucking like, dude getting um, run over by a lawnmower. It's like what they did with um one of the things I loved about completely no no completely no tangent um, uh, Final Destination two. Oh, God, I love that movie. So when the guy falls out off the ladder, oh yes, yeah, and yeah, falls yeah. on the ground, yeah. and the ladder comes down, and it just just stops. misses his because he's like because what they wanted to do was like have it stop, have everyone turn away uh, thinking he was going to yeah, do it, yeah. stop, and then when they turn back, it, it releases then falls and, and, and impales his, impal- his eye, and I'm like, haha, fake gotcha, out. love it. Scott Derrickson, Sinister, holy shit, what a movie. Can't recommend it enough. Please go watch. I don't know what it, I'm sure it's on. It's on Stan. It's on Stan. I watched it on Stan. Um, if you can, it is also a very hard movie to find yeah. physically. I managed, Surely there's going to be a bit of a resurgence. I managed to, where did I get it? I got it from um, DVD King in the city. Oh, yeah. But I, had them, the I, had them, I had them order, like, order it in for me. Ooh. Okay. I would highly recommend chasing it up or trying to watch it. The final film we're talking about with Scott Derrickson is 2014's Deliver Us From Evil. Critics score, 29%. Yeah. Audience score, 42. A New York police officer, Ralph Sarchi, investigates a series of crimes. He joins forces with an unconventional priest schooled in the rites of exorcism to combat possessions that are tearing the city apart. I was surprised looking back. I always thought Deliver Us From Evil was, he made it before Sinister. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Just because of the, just because of like the quality of this compared to Sinister. Yeah. yeah. It feels like the natural progression could have been like, okay, he's made like two moves. Like obviously, as we said, Emily Rose is really good. Yeah. But like he's made that and he's made Deliver Us From Evil with Smith Shonky, but then he's found his form with Sinister. Yeah. At this point, though, he is a on again, off again, on again, off again. Yeah, sort of um, and I also think maybe like it was he probably had a he had like he had Sony like Sony backed him like he had yes. he probably had a bit more money behind him. Yeah, this definitely seems more like a conventional studio. Yeah, with with him trying to like throw in yes. what he could. And again, I'm not like I don't hate this movie. Yeah, um, but it's. It definitely feels like a yeah. If it's it, very. It, it doesn't feel like a Scott Derrickson horror movie. No, no this one yeah. definitely more felt like a yeah. Hollywood movie. Like one of those me. fucking what is it? Screen Gems. One of those sort of horror movies on the Sony. Yeah. Like one of those sort I of movies. Was a scre- I think this was actually a Screen Gems movie. I like we whispered <laughs> yeah, like. Mm, there's a little bit of Screen Gems here. <laughs> uh, Scott Derrickson did write the screenplay with Paul Harris Boardman. It is based on a book by. New York police officer Ralph Sarchi, so it is inspired by it a is true one of those story. based on true events. And it is one of those <laughs> and look, look. Oh, he took his hat off. It's serious now. I know. Oh, no, he's putting it back on. He's putting it back on. He doesn't know what he wants to do. <laughs> Much like this movie. This exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this to me was firstly half an hour too long. Yeah, okay. 
Make this a tight eighty, this, this tight is a, ninety. This is a tight. This is this is a tight ninety. It, 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 you're right. It just doesn't know what it wants to be. And I like there are like uh, I like a lot of the things that this film presents. I do too. And I think stylistically, it looks great. Yeah, it's that uses that darkness. It, it has this real gritty, it's, yeah. the Bronx feeling where it's set. Uh, again, it's not shy to have a pretty, pretty intense imagery and um, brutal violence. No, like, no, I like, I like that nothing feels safe. No, no. in this, like that, and that's kind of the feeling through a lot of through a lot of Scott, Scott Derrickson's movies. movies. And I fucking love the villain Santino. Oh my god, it, incredible! Uh, who was Sean Harris? Sean Harris. Who, if you've seen um, Mission Impossible the Fallout, last, yeah, Fallout and, uh, and Rogue, Rogue Nation. Nation He's he, the villain. Oh, he is terrifying. He's he got fantastic. he's got he's got villain face. He's got villain face, and he uses it he incredibly uses it really well, well in this movie. My issue is is that as much as I praised Emily Rose for being a genre piece with horror elements, yeah, this is also a genre. This is a police procedural with horror elements. Unfortunately, it's an incredibly boring police procedural with some really good horror elements. Yeah, I hate to rip on him. But Eric Banner's not good in this movie at all. I maybe I was just tired from Moving House, but I was sitting there and I was like, the accent's bad, mm. and you are very monotone. You are not doing a lot with this character. Yeah, I think you yell at your family in one scene. And it was after a scene where his wife's like, you seem so distant. I'm like, every scene I've seen him in, he's like at his kid's soccer game and he's like come home after seeing a dead baby and he's still gone to his wife and he's like, I love you. And then the next scene is like, you're not doing anything to this family. And then they yell. And I was like, well, that's the most emotion I've seen in a scene that still doesn't make sense. I feel like like this might have been a big victim of – an edit, edit, um, because absolutely, and it's noticeable because, for like, sure. you know, because Olivia Munn feels like, yeah, she's not important, and then super, super important. important all of a sudden, yeah, um, only important though when all the weird shit starts happening yeah, to Banner, um, and it's like I've gotten, and you know, I've got nothing against like when more comedic actors do serious things. But I was like, Joel McHale is, is very miscast. It's like, cause I like Joel McHale. Like I like Joel McHale. I community is my favorite sitcom. Um, and if he, you can call it a sitcom, but it's my favorite comedy show of all time. He in, um, Ted, he's really funny in Ted. Yeah, yeah. And he did like a little, he did a little guest starring arc on Will and Grace where he was like a swindler and yeah. it was fucking hilarious. He's great. He's great. He, he does it. It, I think because, he isn't able to completely get out of like the that, smooth that little, talking. Yeah. So suave, when he's in this, dude. he's sort of like, I feel like you're gonna make a joke, and he does. And he makes a few, but, and it's, but it doesn't really. When they're s- talking about like they take a call where it's like, oh, you guys, I can't remember the the code word they both use. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately insinuates that like this could be a rough call. Do you want like your adrenaline rush? Maybe we can rough someone up a little bit. Yeah. They're not like being corrupt cops, but they're like, someone might take a swing at us. Do you want to like throw them around a little yeah. bit? I don't Which, believe Joel McHale could do that. And he's got no. this lady's fake tattoos on yeah. his arm. Whereas he's wearing the cap we'll backwards. Say, Eric Banner looks like he'll fuck someone up. Eric Banner looks the part. Yeah, he looks the part. He's, he's just, just, I yeah. think he's focusing so hard on the accent and trying to like. And it's, I think it's like, yeah, he, he's gone, like, he's looking at this as like, a, this is my like serious police drama. And you're yes. like, it is. It's like, it's also like a, 
it's like a B grade studio and horror, and it's like, and it's okay to lean into that more. Oh god, yeah, absolutely. It's like and, I think people, I feel like they do it in the third it, act, yeah, when the kind again, of yeah, an exorcism happens. Yeah, I will say, in in terms of the imagery and children not being safe, we have a sequence where yeah. a woman yeah. throws a baby yeah. Into, into like a, a lion, a, um, a lion den, a lion, a li- a li- a li- like a literal lion's like den at, at, a zoo. at the at the Bronx Zoo. Yeah. yeah, like and that was I remember because this was a movie. I so by the time that I saw this, I was re- re- reviewing Viewing films. Movies. I yeah, got yeah, invited yeah. to see yeah. this, and that was a sequence that like everybody in the cinema was like, oh, yeah, like oh shit, like because like, so, yeah. you see her holding the baby, and you sort of think they're not gonna. Well, and it does. She's not doing anything erratic yet. No at that point, and, and then it's think, very all of us. And then obviously she throws it, and then obviously it gets into she is being like she is being yeah. possessed, and it, then it kind of goes this very typical possession movie possession route. route. And but then it's sort of like offset. You you sort of stay with it because you're like Sean Harris is so Sean Harris good. is fucking amazing in this movie, and more so like he's obviously playing someone who's possessed. Obviously, like. For context, yeah. the movie opens up with body cam footage. Mm. Well, sorry, not, body, not just body cam footage, but it's soldiers in Iraq in 2010. Yeah. They're, uh, they're ambushed and they're trying to escape. They find a cave to go into and then it switches to body cam footage and all these bats swirl around them. Mm. They don't know what they they can see. They obviously see something because we hear their reactions mm. and then it cuts to deliver us from evil. Yeah. And the three soldiers who are in this footage are... Sean Adams and two other, yeah. the first person, the person that uh, Joel McHale and Eric Banner go to that they're yeah. going to rough up is one of the soldiers who is slowly getting There's, possessed. It's, it's a very like, it's like a very intricate, a very intricate storyline because you realise there's like a this, lot There's happening. like this Iraq storyline with these three guys yep. and you realise, oh, they were the the painters of this house and like yep. they got, like there's so much going on and you yep. kind of just want to go, I'm okay with, I'm okay with what, like I'm okay with it if it's, Soldiers that are possessed. Yeah, I'm okay with it if it's like people being possessed, and I'm okay with it if it's all of it together. It's there's a t- lot it's happening, too much. and part of me goes, "This would be okay if I was reading the book." Yeah, I can take in the information yeah. a little bit more. I can understand that, and it would probably take like it'd expand on a lot. Like you'd probably go, exactly. "Oh, that's why the wife is kind of targeted towards the end of the film." Exactly, she's kind of been nothing this whole time. Whereas, and that's no offense to Olivia Munn because I like Olivia Munn. No, and I think she's good in the film as well. And like Edgar I Ramirez is having a great time in this. Edgar Ramirez is is very underused in yeah. this film because he's, as the synopsis said, he's an unconventional priest. Yeah. Doesn't mind a drink. Doesn't mind flirting with a few yeah, women. Like he's, just, I was like, he, that's a. That's he's a, more of like a social worker than a priest. Yeah, like the he way might, he like, like he might interacts like, with people. Like he yeah. might wear like the garb and stuff, but to me, I'm just like, uh, I feel like you're just like a yeah. hot dude dressed as a priest, just as a priest, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he works with Ralph Sarchi, Eric Banner's character, to sort of because they both he, they start finding these. Uh, what were they calling it? I can't remember what they are calling it in the movie, but the, the paintings that had the letters and stuff, they're finding yeah. all the Latin and stuff yeah. that he's like, oh, this sort of means some, there's some demonic force around and shit mm. we should work together. So <sighs> the police procedural element of it for me is just too convoluted. Like yeah. I said, there's too many storylines. There's too much going there's on. There's too much going on. And it's one of those things where it was so convoluted for so long that I wasn't caring about right. yeah, yeah, yeah. when the horror happens. Because there is loads of tense moments, yeah, and there is a fuck ton of jump scares. This movie probably has the most jump scares out of any Scott Derrickson yeah. movie, and and then also like 
Sean Harris's performance is a good like yes. brother performance to Jennifer Carpenter because Absolutely. he is going very committed. He's like again full possession, especially like more so in the exorcism scene. I know there is a chase scene earlier in the film that involves him, but he's just very brooding. He's this brooding presence mm. that is sort of just walking around. There's there's a, there is a great scene. Uh, where they go to the lion's den because obviously they've been there's been reports that someone's throwing their baby into yeah. there. So the cops go there, and Sean Adams is just painting, mm. and they because they like the everyone's like there's no witnesses. That whole zoo scene's scary it's, as hell because yeah, yeah. it's completely dark. It's dark. They're like all the lights went out. We're running on backup generators. Uh, like we know there are dark. lions in here. We know there's a child in here. And then they see him there, and they're like, "Hey, this guy's been here all day. Ask him." So they try and go over to him. He just turns and stares at Eric Banner yeah, and then just slowly walks away to so everyone's like, what the fuck? I'm going to go follow him. Walks in. And of course, two fucking lions there in the most tense standoff. Cause he's got his gun point and he's like, I can shoot one of these lions before it gets to me. Yeah. But oh, then there's, there's two, a, there's two of them. Yeah. Which is a great scene, but that's sort of Sean Adams presence throughout the, f- uh, the first two thirds of the film mm. is just this brooding presence with this intense fucking stare. Oh, his, that is genuinely creepy. His face is like, he doesn't need any, like doesn't need any CGI. No. Doesn't need any makeup. Doesn't need any, like he's he wears just, like the most mild eye paint around yeah, his eyes to make it look black. Just, yeah. He's terrifying to look at. And it's no offense, Sean Harris. But no, no. <laughs> I mean, that's if anything, it's a compliment it's a from compliment. some horror fans. Yeah. Uh, the jump scares are really effective. Obviously, the one that gets gets me every time is the CCTV footage when yeah. they're watching. Uh, they're trying to track Sean Harris after the the zoo incident, and they're tracking him on the cameras. And this flash of a dead body, yeah, comes up on the screen for like a split second, which is obviously a body they find later in the walls of this poor Mexican family's yeah, house. There's see, like, <laughs> which is just a horrifying scene as well. But there's just so much going on. There is so much going on, but every moment is like is like tail ended with a great moment of tension mm. that scene in in their basement when the lights go out and it's just him with the torch and he's going around is a brilliantly tense yeah. scene. scott derrickson has yeah. no issues making yeah. horror films i think that's it's more it's like a, it's not a bad film from like a directing filmmaking no. point of view no there's just, just some issues with the story yeah narratively it narratively could have been, been timed up uh, all the creepy shit happens, like all the classic, like there's children laughing through the walkie-talkies. When the when they find that dead body and its eye fucking moves yeah. before the, the yeah. bugs come out. Ugh. But obviously the best, like the movie slowly, very slowly, leads up to its best moment, which is the exorcism. Yeah. Which is a, a very, it seems longer in this movie than it is in Emily Rose. But I could have been wrong. It could have been just me feeling I, the pace. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really take notice if it was longer. But it, but it is it, violence. Yeah. It is oh, this, fucking This is violence. where the film like earns its like, yeah, it's a violent movie. Um, the lacerations that are happening on his skin yeah. and stuff. And it's like messages into his back and shit. And he's again contorting and then floating in the air. It's a lot more of a supernatural exorcism than yeah, Emily then, Rose's, then Emily which, Rose, is which just feels a bit more grounded. grounded yeah. This one is a, like, this is a supernatural is like, Hollywood yeah, movie. It's like conjuring level sort of shit. It's kind of like the, the supernatural horror elements have sort of slightly graduated each time. Like Emily Rose felt is relatively contained. Yeah. Super uh, sinister has those elements that are like, this would like this, wouldn't happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is like, kind of funny then. It has the inspired by true events yeah. and this is a real cop and he's um, written a book the, about this, it. You wonder what is, is real. like, yeah, it sort of goes to mainstream the, sort of the horror, next, the next you know, level yeah, sort yeah. of shit. 
Um, overall, though, I would say out of the three, it is the weakest. Yeah, movie. but at saying that, it's also not like it's not it's a not a terrible movie. Film. No, I um, like. I feel like I'm done with it. I've seen it twice now. Yeah, like I saw it when it came out. I've seen it now. Uh, like I'm cool. I'm, I'm done, done with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm done with it. So, yeah. yeah. But that was Scott Derrickson's horror films. What a lovely journey that was. It really was. And by lovely, I mean sadistic and fucked. Yeah. Scott Derrickson, you're cooked. And but, but you I know love what? Your movies. And as as we've seen, it's always the most. It's the nicest and most creative people that come up with the darkest, the darkest stuff. shit. Ethan Hawke, lovely guy, plays the grabber to perfection. <laughs> Scott Derrickson, lovely guy, makes three fucked up horror movies. <laughs> four, 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 ultimately up, with the know. black phone. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously my pick of the bunch would be Sinister. Absolutely. If you haven't watched it, please absolutely do. check it out. And if you have seen it, watch it again. Watch it's it again. Absolutely worth it's, it. It always like, it's one of those films that always, always creeps me out. Even always. though when I know when things are coming, it just, yeah, it just freaks yeah. the fuck out of me. Pete, Nick, ask me if I know what movie we're covering next month. What movie are we covering next month, Nick? Oh wait, no, I shouldn't have, wait. I got to figure out a better way to, to say that. Hold up. <laughs> Say, hey, hey, Pete, go, do you know what movie we're covering next month? Go on. Hey, Nick. Yeah? Do you know what movie we're covering next month? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> just end it. Literally just end it. <laughs> we're covering nope. <laughs> I'm going to leave that whole bit in. Uh, so yes, we're covering nope. Nope. From one Mr. Jordan Yes, comedian turned horror, horror director of the horror, generation. Maybe horror auteur, as the, the cool kids say. Um, but his movie Nope is coming out. It's coming out in um, August in Australia. August, Australia, unfortunately. August 12th, uh, 22nd of July in the States. So all we'll say is going off of the last two Jordan Peele movies, I would probably completely remove yourself from social media with anything regarding the word nope. Yes. I have seen the first trailer. I have seen the first trailer as well. And we were very I, lucky enough that the universal rep we work with, shout out Wendy. Yep. Best Lo- rep in the world. I mean, seriously, love you, Wendy. Uh, who at a screening said to us, hey, that his second trailer of nope is dropping soon. It, Don't watch, watch it. it. It reveals everything. So we just said, okay. We just said, nope. Yeah. We were we like, okay, it. thank you for that. Um, and we've managed. Yep. Yeah, so we got sent the trailer. Didn't watch didn't it. Watch it. Um, I've heard, I've heard people say like, oh shit, it actually gives everything so away. much away because there was this sort of worry that the first trailer was so, too ambiguous. So ambiguous. That Universal like, or maybe, like, like maybe we need to, and like, no, that's fucking brilliant. That's um, what we, want. we went to a screening not too long ago. Oh God! Yeah, where right, we yeah. walked in, and I literally was like, "Nope." And I was because, like, "What?" I was, and I was like, "It's." I was like, "It's a nope it's trailer. Nope. It's a new nope it's trailer." Nope. And so we stood in like the hall. We stood. Yeah, yeah. People like, like walking past. So that there was that one lady who was like, "Oh, we like to go." And I was like, "Oh, like, oh yeah, 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 we're yeah. just not watching the trailer." And she was like, "Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you fucking weirdos." So we sort of like tried to talk loud enough to like drown out. What was yes. going on? Um, but yeah, so we are going to very relatively blind. We're going into this film pretty also blind. knowing Jordan Peele's work. Yeah, and having seen the first trailer, that's basically how we're going yeah. into Nope. But to celebrate the release of Nope, yes, for our August episode, we will be watching Get Out and Us. I mean, Jordan Peele's two directorial, his directorial debut and his sophomore effort. Banger, bangers of a movie. Bangers Bang, of movies. Bangers, banger of movies. Banger of movies. Yeah. I think that's what we are. Yeah. 
banger, banger of, of movies, movies and yeah. those are bangers of, of movies. movies. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> uh, English is incredibly good. It's so good. That's what happens when you get banged by movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm, if you look at this wall right now that I'm oh, building, Nick is going to, it is a bukkake of yep, movies. Nick, and I'm sitting here just wet with celluloid. I counted over 600. Nice. I know. I'm actually looking but forward to that. That's why I'm poor. I'm looking forward to that because by the time this episode is released, which is not too long away, not too long. Um, I starting to move I will be as starting well. to move as well. Moving into a new Just a couple shindig. of movie boys. Just a couple of movie boys. Making sure that the most important thing is getting our TVs set up and our walls of movies. Set it's up worked first. well for me so far. Yeah, I don't have a bed set up. I don't have a couch set up. But you're goddamn right. We're and recording already, this podcast in front of all my movies. Yeah, and I've um already um like emailed the owners, being like, "You guys are okay with uh, wall mounting TVs, right?" And they're like, yeah. "Yep." I'm like, "Cool," because I am yeah. putting that shit up on the wall. Absolutely. Yep. But yes, yeah, so listen out next month for our Jordan Peele episode for Nope. Obviously, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you guys incredibly very much. I will just quickly do a shout out Please to do. everybody Everyone. that is like we have had some great reactions to our episodes. As we said, yes. after, after the after podcast is still, still our most listened to episode. Listened to. The screen, the screen podcast did yep. some great numbers. Scream and Jackass, and Jackass. did very well. The last episode we did where it was Q and a, where we dropped the normal and Dude. we spoke about big arms, tiny nips, my love, my love, my love for Van Damme. Um, the fact that Nick, Cried in Warrior. That's true. Um, it's a true story. We've had really great messages and reactions yeah, from people. Yeah, it's been lovely. Like it's actually, it's actually been, been... And, and you know what? We haven't asked anybody to do that. No, no. Like, you guys no have, feedback. You guys have done that purely on your own accord. So we're very thankful for that. Um, very so grateful. maybe we'll have to do like a... I think we might have to do another one one day. One. Yeah. I think we will have to do another one yeah. one day very soon. Yeah. And maybe we'll answer some different questions. I think so. We can go more intense, I reckon. I think so. Now that we kind of know like, all right. You've you've only unlocked ten percent of our possession. Like, do you want to know what you, movies we've actually like masturbated? To? You want to go full? Wow, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a great fucking question. Yeah. Let's go full possession. Full possession on a Q and A episode coming soon to a podcast. It's spelled C U double M I N G. Because hey, we Check us out on Spotify, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, uh, Google. all the good place. Google, po- Google Podcasts. Google, wow. Google Podcasts. Uh, Google, the internet <laughs> children. Uh, now you can come back and talk about my boobs. <laughs> Ray Romano. Ray Romano. <laughs> Rated PDG on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. Nick Flicks Fix on, on Instagram, Instagram and Twitter. And Twitter. And until next time, this has been the Monthly Movie Marathon. <gasps> Bye. <laughs> We'll